Aviation Made Easy. With your host, Erica Wiggins. The High Podcast. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at AIM underscore high. And now, the CFI for AIM High, Erica Wiggins. And hello, aviators and enthusiasts. I'm so glad to be back with you today. And today we're going to talk about an ace in the hole. This is, I've got a tool for you. It's something that, I mean, gosh, it just solves a multitude of problems. You can use it under many circumstances. It's like a multi-tool. It's so awesome. It's the Swiss Army knife of flying? Yeah, it's like a, yeah, you know, well, you know, it's a survival thing. Exactly. I like that analogy. Yeah. It's like a survival knife for flying. Um, and, and so I've made Do you have a, something wrong against the Swiss Army? No, I like Swiss Army knives. Okay. I also like Leathermans and Gerbers. Okay, and, all right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I like my tools. I'm silly that way. So here we are talking about tools again. And this is, you know, I'm using some analogies here, but <laughs> I have made it sound like I've got this brand new, never heard of thing for you to use. But in reality, what we're going to talk about today are go-arounds. But I'd like to change your attitude about go-arounds today. Mm. And that, you know, I'm going to talk about the judgment behind go-arounds and and give you some real practical tips that you can take away from this podcast and use. But the thing I'd really like to accomplish, especially for existing pilots who already start to have enough experience under their belt that they've got this confidence brewing And I want to bring your attention back to the simple go around and why it's so important to use it and to change your attitude about it. Because sometimes people start to feel like there's a um, stigma to going around. And we've all, as flight instructors, I know you've been told there's no shame in going around. And I'm going to try and really pound that point home today. And if you try to make somebody feel bad for performing a go around, shame. Oh, I, I'm shame gonna go, on you. I'm going to go slap that person with a two by four if I hear that somebody ever gave anyone shame for making a go round. That is one of the, it's just a foolproof, if done right, it is a foolproof out. It is your ace in the hole. It is a multi tool. It's so many different circumstances right. apply to this. And we're going to talk about those circumstances today. And then, of course, it's important that you execute them correctly. And um, But mostly, I want you to keep that in the forefront of your mind that it is an option and practice it. So when you go up to make sure that you get your landings in 90 days, or even if you've just been getting them naturally by cruising out for the $100 hamburger or something like that, at least every 30 to 90 days, you know, in there, set yourself a timeline, put it in, program it into your iPhone or your calendar and say, make a go around next flight mm-hmm. and uh, give yourself a reminder and go up, come in on a nice short approach. And just like your flight instructor was sitting next to you saying, go around, go through the procedures and keep those procedures fresh because deciding to do a go around is the smart is one of the smartest things you can do. Executing it correctly of course, is the follow through on right. that. It's just kind of a no brainer. But we it don't... no longer becomes an A. It's a deuce in the hole. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you... <laughs> yeah. It gets kind of. You know, if you don't produce, if you don't do it correctly, it's a. Yeah. yeah, there's some some things you can do wrong with a go around that we will talk about a little bit. But you know, let's first of all focus on when do we want to do a go around, and um, so. An obvious one. Your instructor told you so. Right. I told you so. <laughs> uh, these are your practice go arounds, um, especially when it's your instructor. 
you don't know that it's coming. Although if you're in active flight training, you kind of get, you know, your hand is like hovering, <laughs> ready to go around as soon as you get on a short final because your instructors made a habit of doing that to you. Another time when you're being told air traffic control, for some reason you have no idea why, mm-hmm. air traffic control occasionally will just tell you to go around. Something happened, they see it, you don't. Don't think about it. Do what they said. Um, safe, you know, get altitude back under you. Figure it out later. You why just it is. you got to comply. Yeah, you, you can. If there was some reason why it would be a jeopardy for you to go around at that moment, then, of course, you act in what's the safest. But there's very few circumstances where a traffic control is going to tell you to go around, and it's not safe thing for you to do. So the chances are something walked out on the runway or a plane didn't listen to, the, the, you know, thought they were cleared to take the active and taxied right out where you need to touch down. You're right. just not seeing it. So there's the reason one someone told you to go around cut and dry not that much judgment needed there now let's get into the judgment things you are coming in on short approach and i come from florida you realize there's an alligator crawling across the runway well you can't go around you can't land on that so time to go around or some other faster moving wildlife go around hopefully your go around will scare them enough to get off the runway Probably not so much with the alligator. They're kind of stubborn. (laughs) (laughs) They've got their own thing going. They've got their own pace in life. The only time they move fast is when it's lunchtime. Other than that, they'll get out in the middle of a road, a runway, whatever, and just like bask in the sun. Um, But any type of wildlife. And then there's other aviators. Somebody, especially on controlled fields, somebody's not paying attention to what's going on around them. They just taxi right out in front of you. Or somebody is practicing um, touch and goes or stop and goes, and they come to a complete stop on the runway, and they and their instructor decide to have a full debrief sitting there. On the yeah, I've seen it happen. Um, it's like wow. uh, if you're going to do this, it's a, you need to <laughs> stop and go. Right. Um, <laughs> Clear the space. Yeah. Or somebody just missed the turnoff, and they're taking an extra long time to get off the runway. Right. So summing that one up, some other aircraft is now on the runway blocking your landing, and you need to go around. And again, that one is fairly obvious. There's other aircraft that are interfering with your pattern. So another airborne aircraft Mm -hmm. that has come in. I had one, I've talked about it here on this podcast, about people who are irreverent to basic safety practices. And I was flying a normal pattern, and this fellow who was a um, crop uh, crop duster on the side, he'll give you an idea to his nature, just came cutting in just at treetop level on this, you know, all just cut in on my final below me. Wow. And I realized he was there and went around, not because of his radio calls. Luckily, I just caught him out of the corner of my eye. And, uh, See and, and avoid. avoid. <laughs> See, we, we are in sync. So uh, it could be another airborne aircraft uh, that, is ca- that has caused you to abandon mm-hmm. your approach and, and landing. Again, if you see those, typically not as much judgment. Here's the ones that are going to be a little hairy for you. Um, it's where something has gone wrong in your landing chain of events. And I, I like to refer to it as a chain of events because if you keep all the links intact, it's all good. One broken link and you need to go ahead and, and consider it too weak to be fixed and get out. And they could be that you just came in really high. You tried a bit of a slip. It's not working. You're going to build up too much airspeed to really touch down at a, a reasonable point on the runway. Call it. And go around. Right. That's a, it's a simple bet. Like I said, this is a tool that fixes many things. 
you have a, a bad approach, just call it done. Right. <laughs> so it's just not going, not going well. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to be uh, like the Learjet in Port Orange this week, folks. Right. If you haven't seen it, Google it. Uh, ran off the end of the runway uh, at Spruce Creek Fly-In, which is I've flown in and out of that airport. I, I went to school in Daytona Beach, as you as you may know. So right. Spruce Creek is close to home, and yeah, that's a really sad to see that much equipment sitting in the water. <laughs> <laughs> so bad judgment. Uh, also, go back to our um, our landings, our short field landings post, right. And look up the videos of that fellow in the Aztec that did not make the decision to go around at St. Bart's and, right. and what happened to him. Um, again, go arounds. Think about the kind of dollars we're speaking of here that were completely destroyed in both of those incidents that could have been solved by, of course, having a good landing. Right. You know, I mean, good approach it, to start with. But if you don't have a good approach, then go around. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> It's the in and, and, and this is a sports take, but in American football, uh, when you line up at the line of scrimmage and you know that your play is a dead end, you're going to go <laughs> the wrong way. The quarterback calls an audible. He says, "We got to change this, or else it's not going to go well." Right? And yeah. so, and obviously, good quarterbacks do that. Good pilots do yeah. go rounds. And yeah, uh, do just, go around. I mean, if you're having to think about it that much, go around. Right. When in doubt, go around. It's obviously you're going to know something's up. Don't you know? Almost never do you get yourself into that bad of a situation and not have seen it coming. That link in the chain was broken, right. and you just decided to go ahead three or four more links and carry. But it's still broken. It's right. still, you're still too high. You're too fast. Something's wrong in that approach. Go back. Do it right. Believe me, it'll cost you less money. Believe me, it'll be less embarrassing than the alternative of trying to force yourself to make that right. landing and failing at it. Right. There's no there's no extra pride in upping the level of diff- difficulty. It's not a video game. Yeah, your go-around <laughs> wasn't on Google News this week. Right. The guy in the lake at Spruce Creek Fly-In. That's exactly right. I'm going to get mail from this guy. No, right it's okay. <laughs> it's all right. And you know what, folks? Invite will, him on the show if he mails you. I will it's give fine. some some caveats. I do not know any of the details of that accident. Sure. I have a first impression, and I am open and ready to be corrected yep. because I, I, as a pilot, I don't carry the one gene that says I'm perfect all the time. Somehow I managed to not get that gene. So I, I am glad to accept if I'm right. wrong about my first impression of that. You only, landing. you don't have that gene when it comes to being a pilot, but are you, you know, Keith, there you go again. We get back on the air and you're already making digs. Folks, he thinks I'm a know-it-all. What does he know? He doesn't know. Oh, there I, don't I go know. again. I... <laughs> Here we no, go again. I... Oh, my gosh. No, you're like Mary Poppins. It's good. It's good. I'm, yeah, I'm on my soapbox preaching again. Here we go. No, it's no problem. It's so... no problem. So, okay. So, that's the biggest thing, though, is, is and, and so why... why I mean, what are what do you think are the main reasons people choose to, you know, just try to tough it out or, or live with the level of difficulty or or not admit what's no, going I on? I think it's a multitude of reasons. Part of it could be pride. Another part of it is not practicing go rounds because you're going to go to the habits that you practice frequently. Mm. So let's say you've just been making your landings. You haven't practiced go rounds in a year or more. Mm-hmm. It isn't at the forefront of your mind of the next action step. So that's another reason why to practice, not just so you execute it well, but so that you keep it in your mind that you do have this tool that things look wrong, go around. Make a point of practicing it so that you don't forget to use it. 
So can I can I ask you to why don't you take uh, me and the listeners through a practice go around and, and kind of the procedure that you would follow for that? Well, first let's go through more of the reasons okay. why we want to do it, okay. and then I'm that's I do plan up. yeah then Great. I plan to do that because I think that's really important too, and of course it varies by aircraft, but sure. we'll talk about some generalities and a few tips on mistakes not to make. But um, so another issue that can happen on your uh, landing, you haven't done anything wrong. But it's a blustery day. Something throws your your approach off, and quite frequently, a you know a good gust of wind could do that. And you, you're all lined up, you've got everything perfect, and all of a sudden you just get blown sideways by something. Don't try to recover that close to the ground. Right. Just call it whatever it was that caused you to get off course. Just get out of there. Go around and do it again. Um, another one is you know now we're getting further along in the landing cycle is that you get down to touching the ground, but you hit too, a little too hard, and you bounce up. Now, if you're really good at recovering that first bounce, maybe a little power, f- nice back into another flare, touch it down okay, maybe you can recover from that bounce. But if you are, if you bounce up and you come back down again and you're bouncing, you ought to be thinking about going around at that point because you could develop what's called a porpoise. Right. And the end of that, cycle is potentially nosing that plane into the ground and uh, very you know it just gets worse and worse you're really better off bailing on that one go around and that does lead really well into talking about some pointers on go around because when you go around that low and you're obviously very slow because you're already at the point of touching down so this is even uh, further in you're way more committed than even being on short final you're going to give it power, and then keep in mind you're in ground effect. So you may start flying again, and don't. If you have a retract, make sure that you have accelerated in ground effect and start climbing positive rate of climb, and you're out of ground effect before you start pulling up your gear and such. Right. You know you need to go through the cleanup procedure in a in the way that your POH tells you to do it. Don't just dump. You know, don't just pull your gear up. Don't just raise the flaps suddenly. Get some, get the full power in. Then get your flaps worked out. Then start to have a positive rate of climb and then bring your gear up because you stand a real chance down in ground effect as you climb out of that that you're going to settle right back down to the ground. And if you pulled your gear up, yeah, yeah, now you've got another ugly scenario. Now you've landed with gear up. And, yeah. yeah, so you know you don't want to. So be you know again practice that scenario of the cleanups, not just from short final, but you know at least work through it in your mind. The go around from after a hard landing, and uh, because they they are two different animals because you're in ground effect and right. one of them, and that could fool you. You're going to think the plane's flying fine, when in fact you haven't gone through the steps in a responsible logical way to have the plane ready to truly fly out of ground effect you know, get your speed up so and that was kind of ahead of myself but your go around procedures as you're coming into land if you're especially if you have a controllable pitch prop then you're going to at the point that your instructor teaches you you're going to have your props your mixtures already in your prop is going to come full forward and why do we do that? Well, one of the main reasons is to be prepared for a go-around. So that should be full forward. So now you get to the point where instructor says go-around. You can feel free to 
bring the throttle all the way in and stop your descent. Allow yourself to accelerate back to and start to work your flaps out. Don't mm. just dump them. Mm. <laughs> Usually you have at least three levels of flaps. Right. Don't just reach over. All and, the way up. Yeah, don't do that. One notch, accelerate, another notch. So be progressive with that. Be progressive. And the reasoning for that is? If you... you Flaps change the shape of the of your wing. Of the wing, right. Yeah, they allow you to fly at a slower speed, steeper angle, and you know, your whole lift profile is changed by those flaps. So when you dump them and you're not and you haven't achieved a higher speed right. for the new shape of the wing that you create by dumping the flaps, then the plane is gonna start to wallow and mush down. Gaia. So that's uh you just want to work them out progressively and accelerate as you do that because of course flaps are creating a ton of drag you can't just leave them in right Right. (laughs) so you need to work them out but uh and again follow your poh they'll tell you how much you know if you want to leave in a smidge for the climb or have that you know what point to pull in that pull out that last bit okay but um you know a plane like a 172 that has four some models have 40 degrees of flaps. That's like having a barn door hanging right, out. Right, <laughs> so, right. So uh, you're going to so, work So, and if you made it, uh, yeah, again, uh, think about the the huge amount of dyna- like aerodynamic change that would occur exactly. if you just flipped yeah, it. Yeah, you need to progressively exchange flaps and airspeed. Reach flaps new airspeed. equilibrium and go. Yeah, and yeah. do it that way. Uh, again, this is stuff that your instructor is going to practice with you. Of course. And... Um, but it's good reminder work because yeah. uh, some people aren't with an instructor and, anymore. You're yeah. their instructor now, Erica. Yeah, that's and and you know I really you know back to calling your attention to that aborted landing after touchdown when you're already in ground effect to be really cautious about not dumping flaps and don't bring your gear up immediately. Right. Um, those are just a couple of items that you know draw your attention to. And if you don't feel like you know if that feels alien to you, then maybe you need to you know grab your instructor. <laughs> For half an hour and say, let's just go and do some... Hard landing, go around. <laughs> yeah, just, you know, going around and, you know, right before touchdown or... Right. You know, I, I wouldn't want to go in and create... A hard landing. A hard right. Landing. I, uh, right but. Really, it's a lot like a... You know, if you think about it, it's a lot like your procedures right after a touch and go. Uh-huh. Um, even when you haven't hit hard, just when you're... when you touch and and then give it full power to take off again you have that same procedure flow as you would a go around it right after touchdown so again you know right back to that and that's something you have practiced a lot almost everyone are a whole lot of touch and goes right so right so and then uh, so that i mean and is there any difference if you're not doing it in that that low you know, just before landing, go around procedure. Is there is there a difference? You mean like if you're on short final? Yeah, just or, in sort well, of the short. difference is you're not in ground effect. So that helps. Yeah, and you're you're <laughs> probably uh, flying a little bit faster than you were by the time you touch down, um, most likely, unless you touch down really fast. <laughs> <laughs> so, and again, it just depends. You know, short final again is you know uh, that's a broad space still. So that's you know pretty much any time right before you touch down. So. Uh, just depending on how much airspeed you have, how high off the ground you are, whether you're still in ground effect. And again, the procedures are pretty much the same. I just caution you, don't slap that gear up too quickly if you're uh, either in a touch and go or having to uh, make a go around after touching down um, because there is that chance as you try to climb out of ground effect for whatever reason, you wallow back down to the ground. Um, That's the biggie right there. So 
So folks, the thing I want to get through to you is no shame in a go around. Practice go arounds regularly. Keep them in your right there in the front of your mind as a tool to use in multiple situations and way better solution than ruining your airplane or heaven forbid somebody even getting hurt. Right. There's so many variations in what we just talked about today, endless variations that I couldn't possibly address them all. Sure. You're just going to have to practice, practice, practice. And then as you build experience as a pilot, you're going to see these situations come up on you. And I think uh, the best story I can relate was one of my best students who um, finished his private in 43 hours. And it would have been 40 if we hadn't taken a break and he needed to do three hours right before his check ride. This guy almost never botched a landing. Mm-hmm. Like from day one. I mean, Slick. He was, he was slick. I mean, they, I was just like, I was proud of him. And of course, I just decided to credit myself a little bit with that. <laughs> um, the blind spot. Um, this guy didn't botch many landings. Right. He didn't really know what a botched landing looked like. He hadn't dealt with a lot of botched landings. Mm. We'd done practice go-arounds. I'd make him go around. But this guy hadn't just inadvertently seen all those endless variations of a complete screw-up um, in his landing. And so he's off as a private pilot. He's renting an, an airplane. And the wind had shifted. He hadn't noticed it. And caused a little bit of a tailwind, and he went long and ran it off the end of the runway. And we talked about it a lot afterwards, and I finally realized that the blind spot of being too good is that we all learn from our mistakes. And he hadn't had enough mistakes to really learn all the hard lessons that the rest of us had to learn. And uh, they say that experience is what you have right after you needed it. Well, he got some great experience um, right after he needed it right. and trashed that prop and right. engine tear down and everything else that had to follow, um, not to mention hurt pride. Um, he was too good. <laughs> right. So, so, folks, as you build experience, you're going to see these coming more and more. Um, try and think through scenarios where you might need those go-arounds. But at minimum, if you practice them a whole lot and set some really strong rules for yourself about if you haven't touched down by a certain point on the runway, depending on the length of the runway, that could be a third or that could be a quarter or it could be on the numbers if it's a really short runway. But know your runway, decide to go around, something feels funky, go around. If it's unfamiliar, like in his case, it would have just been unfamiliar. Right. Uh, he should have gone around. And I, I feel partially responsible for that because I didn't realize just how good he was, was actually costing him valuable experiences. Mm-hmm. So there you have it, folks. He was your maverick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's gone on to be a, a fabulous pilot. Um, he really is a, a, a very good pilot, but it's a shame that he had to learn that lesson the hard well, way. Yeah. So, and me too. <laughs> but he made it, so that's okay. Oh, yeah. It was know, just so. some, some, you know, he just, uh, it cost him a lot of money. But sure. That was it. it was an expensive lesson. <laughs> yeah. So, it's a very hard lesson. So, do you have an NTSB report for us today? I, I sure do. Awesome. This just in from the National Transportation Safety Board. January 21st, 1982, in Muscle Shoals, Alabama, a Piper PA 32 was involved in a non fatal incident. The pilot in command sustained serious injuries while the passengers only had minor injuries. 
High FR conditions prevailed at the time of the incident, with lowest ceilings at 400 feet above ground level. During the approach, the pilot stated that he could not extend the landing gear. At some point during the approach, the aircraft broke out into BFR conditions. The pilot stated he had the airport in sight when suddenly the aircraft struck a 160,000 volt power line. During the crash sequence, the left main gear was broken off, thereby making it impossible to substantiate any prior malfunction. The National Transportation Safety Board determines the probable cause of this accident to be improper IFR procedure by the pilot in command. Contributing factors to the accident included high obstruction in the form of an electrical wire, weather being low ceilings, fog, rain, and night conditions. Okay. Well, there's a lot going on with this one. <laughs> I mean, if he really was having gear problems, you could see where he may have reached a point of being overloaded task-wise. Right. Too to, much going on. Just too much going on. Weather and, and an emergency. And, yeah. and missed in, that he had dropped below his altitude. Um, because obviously if he was where he was supposed to be at the altitude he was supposed to be, he wouldn't have hit the power line. Yeah. So clearly he is you know, outside of the IFR procedures and did not realize he was outside of those procedures, maybe because of that gear. Um, that's one of those, like they said, you won't ever really know. Um, it's unfortunate. And he was in there with three passengers, and you can manage, you know, now he's also managing the three passengers who aren't They're, pilots. And yeah, who an might act- be panicking because of the gear thing. Right. Um, and there's he's, so much- he's called it over the radio, and certainly they heard that. And so There's yeah. a lot of human factors going on here. Um, you know, we would like to say that as pilots, we've just, you know, cool as a cucumber all the time. And we've trained to try and be that way as best as possible by, uh, even in training, introducing distractions with students, um, trying to get them to be able to operate at that higher task load. Um, and certainly in IFR training, that's a big part of developing a good IFR pilot is a pilot who can do all of that stuff and, have somebody talking in their ear, distracting him during the flight training. And, mm-hmm. and I do that with my students. But, you know, it's we're talking about human factors here, and it's hard to look at this one and just say, oh, that guy really messed up. Um, there's a really good chance that uh, he was right at the edge of what most people could handle mm-hmm. um, if he was having that gear problem and panicky passengers. There's speculation on that. Well, obviously. Yeah. Obviously. You know, we'll just but... never really know. <laughs> right. Right. But, but. You know, I, I've been yelled at a couple times, you know, stale cockpit, just yeah, shut up, quiet, man. Yeah. Like, I, I got I to gotta worry about what I'm doing here. And so, so you it, know, and, and honestly, like, you know, the, it, my first reaction was just like, hey, you know, what's just, you know, you just told, you yelled at me and told me to shut up. Right. <laughs> and there was kind of a moment of that. But then, you know, obviously it wasn't a long-term problem or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, because once you understood the reasons, oh, then yeah, you were course. okay with it. And and so what are the things that potentially could have helped in this situation? Because, I mean, we've looked at it and said this may have, may or may not have happened, and it could be understandable. But what could have helped um, if uh, if his gear was having a problem? The things that might have helped him handle that situation better were would be ongoing training with an instructor who deliberately adds distractions during IFR training. Um, that might have helped. Mm-hmm. Um, if he didn't actually have a gear problem and he was using it as a like a mitigating thing for mm. what had happened. Uh, again, we're back to training. It wasn't his home airport, so it was the, it was the end of their cross country. Uh, and you know, at that, when you may fly- not be aware of obstructions, though. And well, things but like if that. you're following the IFR procedures, that's, true. that's handled. So mm-hmm. you know, because it's 
so that I mean he had to have been pretty far out of out of line there um, to have hit those power lines. Of all things, though, to hit 160,000 yeah. volts. If you can do it, do it with a bright flashing light. <laughs> 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 yeah. So so IFR, I mean, it's really about those procedures. It's really about staying uh, very exact because you can't see. And you, you know, good chance you're going into an airport that you don't know. So it's really about the procedures. And he was out of those procedures. But I, I can't just, uh, you know, cast an easy blame there. Because if he was just completely maxed out, you've got, you know, you've got a human in the cockpit, too. Sure. And uh, training, training, training keeps coming up as a... What are the best things we can do to insulate ourselves for an emergency and keep ourselves cool and able to handle the increased workload that any kind of emergency adds to the cockpit? And and again, that's the the only thing you can do is rehearse it when you don't have an emergency. And even then, it's going to be tough. Right. But this is one of those examples, just things stack, 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 stack. And it's, I mean, that's just part of the... Yeah. Part of the risk of aviation. And, right? you know, another thing that would have helped there, you know, talking about having a broken link, if he knew he had a gear problem, a missed approach would have been the right option. So we're not talking about a go around per se, but going missed, telling the tower, I have XYZ problem or approach, whoever he was on with. Um, I'm having gear problems. I need to abandon the approach, give me a heading, and then basically get sent out somewhere to hold while he worked on it. That would have been another really good solution to let him focus on the gear without continuing the approach unless the the gear problem just happened instantaneously mm. you know well that's a good thought he was far enough out he had to have had at least a couple of minutes right. probably from the sound of it not looking at the approach plates and everything myself and how fast he was going sure but he wasn't in a super fast plane so right yeah but it but that's an interesting option yeah yeah that's just one again go you gotta missed. you gotta weigh out and you gotta think about it yeah, and hopefully there's a broken link here go missed i think you know i actually would reverse in some ways that that's sort of a that's a that's a creative in my mind i most that would be something that would come up maybe second or third no, in the mind you know, but it sh- I should have even mentioned it first, I think. I yeah. think he should have gone missed. And then what would have made him deal with that situation better than also more training would have mm-hmm. made him deal. And again, more training to know to go missed right? when this kind of thing happens. So, uh, you know, I readers are, or listeners, I will say, um, I would like to add that as uh, probably one of my first things that might have helped that problem would be to a decision to go missed. So... All right. There we have it. That's great. Uh, again, keep up with Erica. You can uh, follow what she's doing. Uh, she's all over the place, but she's on Twitter at active underscore explorer. She just went to Jordan, folks. Yeah, the that kingdom was of Jordan, and had a chance to do all sorts of stuff there. Yeah, I got to ride a camel. You can officially call me a camel jockey. Nice. Uh, <laughs> so one hump, two humps, two. <laughs> wow, two hump camel. So special. Uh, it's uh, what do they call? <laughs> And I know there's different names for them, and so we've got. Uh, but Jordan's amazing country, yeah. and uh, perhaps we'll even talk about it some more uh, on another podcast. I'll right. share more. Of but it with you. have you written anything up on Active Explorer on that? Not yet. I kind of came back to a lot of stuff. Um, sure. As right as I came back, so right. it, it's uh, had me a little bit buried. But I will say that um, I put up a lot of photos on my Instagram and. Um, I haven't put as much on my Facebook fan page, but my personal page has a lot of public photos there. And uh, I have like 100 photos of Jordan. And it was truly an amazing experience. So folks, you know, find me on 
Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Yeah, they're fantastic and, uh, pictures. You got you to check them out. You'll you'll enjoy those a lot. Of course, ActiveExplorer.com. You can check her out there. And it's then actually of course, the Active Explorer. The, oh, yeah. don't, the forget, don't forget that infinite article. Yeah, somebody's sitting on Active Explorer, so, oh well. <laughs> you know, there's only so many domain names Who are left. They? I don't know. Let me know, and I'll, I'll take care of it. You, you, you know a guy? <laughs> uh, and then, of course, you can email her if you want to get in touch, erica at aimhigh.com. Uh, and, of course, we have our Facebook and our Twitter, uh, at aim underscore high. Uh, and, of course, aim is aviation made easy. So. And give us a review on iTunes if you enjoy our podcast. We could really use a few more of those. That's fantastic. how it helps other people who might enjoy this show find us is through you leaving a review. So... So, awesome. Thank you for listening. Thank you, folks, and goodbye till next week.